You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Good morning on a beautiful spring Houston Sunday morning. You made it to church. Can we just give an applause for church? So we're just glad to be here. Isn't that awesome? It says in the Bible, I was glad when they said, let's go into the house of the Lord. Man, it's a great thing. We're in church together. We've been worshiping together. Sienna, Cypress, downtown, digital family as well. We're going to look in the book of Romans. If you got your Bible, we're going to look in Romans chapter 15, which is going to be a great passage of scripture. You got a listening guide to take a little bit of notes. It's going to be a great time for us to connect. It's been a banner seven days for Houston's First. It's been amazing. Last week on Sunday, we celebrated the 10 year anniversary of our Siena campus and our Cypress campus. Can we just give a round of applause for that? 10 years of ministry in those places. So good. We're so proud of y'all. Um, amazing things that are happening. Yesterday, we had 1,100 volunteers go out to about 30 different sites all throughout our city, partnering with about five or six hundred different organizations and churches in our city. So it was great, called One Day Houston, an awesome time for that. So God is on the move. And we're looking in Romans chapter 15, and it's a great passage of scripture. It's really a fun passage of scripture because it gives kind of Paul's biography a little bit. Tell just a little bit, a little microcosm of what he's got going on. And Romans in chapter 15, it's gonna end with Paul on mission. That's where it's gonna end. So it starts in chapter one, talking about all sorts of, you know, things of the love of the Lord, and it's going to end in missions. That's amazing. And then Romans 16 we'll cover as well, but that's kind of like the thank you note of all these people that have helped him out along the way. So Romans 15, we're going to see the whatever, the wherever, and the whenever of Paul, because that's what we're asking. All of us are asking God, well, what do you want me to do? That's our what. Then we're asking God, well, where do you want me to go? And then we're asking God, when are you going to do this, right? So we keep asking the what, the when, and the where all the time. If you were to take all the questions God gets, I bet it would come down to those three would be the majority of them. What do you want me to do, Lord? Just tell me. Where do you want me to go, Lord? Just tell me. When do you want me to do it? Just tell me. I need your timing. And all of those three things together, we're going to see here with Paul in Romans 15, as we see his heart, his vision, his way of uh, moving forward and how God's going to use him. So get ready. Here we go. Let's look in verse 20 is where we're going to start. Here's what it says. My aim, underline aim. Some of your Bibles say ambition. My aim or ambition is to preach the gospel, the good news where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who are not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. That's Isaiah 52, verse 22. That is why I've been prevented many times from coming to you. So Paul is saying that I've got a desire, I've got an aim, I wanna teach Christ, I wanna share Christ in places where he has not been named. And that's what's keeping me from going to Rome. He's never been to Rome, though he's writing this letter to the Romans. He's writing it from Corinth and he's wanting to get, we'll see later, he's wanting to get to Rome to visit these people that he loves. Now, here's your point. Write it down in your listening guide. The whatever, God's purpose and plan prioritize what you do. God's purpose and plan prioritize what you do. So Paul says, my aim, my purpose, my plan, my ambition is to name Christ where he has not been named. My aim and ambition is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. 
See, the purpose in the plan of God is the why behind what we do. Your goal in life, my goal in life is not about the platform, it's about the purpose. The platform is just to give us an aspect, an opportunity to share the purpose. The purpose is the aim of sharing Christ with people. So we've got a platform of your job, you got a platform of your stage of life, you got a platform of where God has placed you, but that's not your purpose. And we get that confused a lot of times where we think our vocation is our purpose when our vocation is our platform. So he says, I want you to know that my ambition of what I'm doing is to share Jesus Christ. I want to show and I want to shine and I want to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, a baker, a, a yard person, whatever you are, God's given you that place so that you can share and shine with that. I love that he uses the word ambition. Ambition's only used three times in the New Testament, and this is one of the three times. So he uses this word ambition. If you were to define it, here'd be a way to define ambition. It would be this, to a cherished desire or a lofty goal. A cherished desire or a lofty goal. So students, your ambition is to share Jesus with people, to shine with Jesus. It's not to be first chair in the band. It's not to be the star uh, quarterback of the football team. It's not to be the lead in the play. It's not to be the valedictorian. All of those things are platforms in which you're able to share your true passion, which is Jesus Christ, because he's eternal. All those other things are temporary. And so Paul's saying, I want to use my platform, my whatever is before the Lord. And whatever I do, Whatever I do, I'm going to do this under the Lord. So my ambition is not climbing the, the, the ladder of success. My ambition is not making a bunch of money. My ambition is not having a bunch of stuff. My ambition is that I could shine and share Jesus Christ with other people. Use my platform, use my stuff, use all that, that, that I have. But I want this to be my true ambition. And that's what Paul's saying. And here's the deal. That's true for all of us, students and adults alike. Now, here's the deal. Life is going by so fast. I, I didn't believe it when people would tell me that when I was younger. And now I'm like, I'm starting to believe that. My grandfather would put it like this. He'd say, life is like a roll of toilet paper. It goes faster at the end, is what he'd say. <laughs> Do you have moments, I'm kind of speaking to kind of the parent crew and the adult crew, that you look back and you look back on those memories and you find yourself looking in the rearview mirror sometimes more than looking in the windshield? And you think back on things and you say, why didn't I do that then? Why didn't I invest in Amazon when I first heard about it? Why did that not happen in my life, right? And so why didn't I take that opportunity? And students, right now, you have such an opportunity as your generation is looking for Jesus, looking for hope, looking for some type of truth. As the world is upside down, you have an opportunity that you will look back on as a student or a young single or in the workplace that you'll think in five years, why didn't I talk to that person about Jesus? Why didn't I take them to lunch? Why didn't I share that with them? I remember just as a parent, I was just had a moment where I was like, you know, I, I feel like my kids should be younger than they are. We should be going to do this, but we're going to do that. And one's in college now and it just where did the time go? These opportunities pass us so fast. And Paul says, my aim, my opportunity, my moment is I want to share Christ with somebody. I want to shine and I want to share. Sometimes you don't get to put words on it all the time, but you can shine with it. And so a gospel-centered mission statement for whatever you do, whatever your calling is, whatever decision you make, that's where he's saying, I want you to put this in the center of this whole thing. Then he goes on further and he says, there's not just a, a whatever, there's a wherever. 
See, wherever, let me give you your point, wherever God's mission leads you where to go. God's mission leads you where to go. And so in this, this wherever, he, we're going to see that he is on a mission. He's got a plan, or, or excuse me, he's following God's plan, no matter what his plan would be. He's following God's plan. Look in verse 22. We'll read that again, and then we'll go down to verse 26, okay? Here we go. That is why I've been prevented many times from coming to you. I've, I've got a mission. I've got a plan. I couldn't come. I'm too busy sharing Christ with these people. Verse 23, but now I no longer have any work to do in these regions. Okay, stop the car right there. Do you see what Paul just said? I finished the ministry God's given me. I no longer have any work to do in these regions. Is that incredible? He's fought the good fight. He's finished it. Not that he's going to die, but that he's finished the work there. What's happening, he's moving from the eastern side of the Roman Empire to the western side we'll see in just a little bit. Can you imagine walking into your office place or walking out of your office place, walking out of your school, graduating high school students, and you graduate and you said, I did the work God had for me. It's time for me to go to college. I shared with who I needed to share with. I walked like I needed to walk. I'm leaving my legacy here. It's time for me to take the next step into the next chapter of my life. That's an amazing thing. Instead of like, oh, why did I waste those years? Oh, why did I not? Paul's saying, no, I'm going forward. I've done all I can do. Verse 24, or the end of verse 23, I have strongly desired many times to come to you. Whenever I travel to Spain, Rome's gonna be on the way to Spain, heading from east to west, for I hope to see you when I pass through and to be assisted by you for my journey there once I have first enjoyed your company. So they're friends for a while. Right now, I am traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints. Okay, cool. Because Macedonia and Achaia, AKI were pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So Paul is on his way. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's got some stops to go. He's finished his work and he's wanting God to lead him on his mission. And hopefully he's going to go through Rome. Now, we don't know if he ever made it to Spain. We don't have that in the scriptures, but we know that he made it to Rome. But he didn't make it to Rome as a preacher. He made it to Rome as a prisoner. His plan and God's plan weren't the same plan. And that's going to happen in your life and my life just the same. Hopefully not as a prisoner, but it's going to happen where it's not your plan like you thought it was going to be worked out. So he's got the wherever of God's mission, God's mission. Paul was all over the ancient world on missionary journeys, trying to share with every way he could possibly go, every place he could possibly go. Now, let me show you a map. This is a missionary missions map. Okay, let me explain it to you. There's what's called unengaged, unreached people. That's red. Okay, those are folks that there's no mission strategy, no church that's trying to send mission trips there, just unengaged, unreached. They have not heard the gospel in this generation, maybe in previous as well. Then there's orange that is engaged yet unreached. That means that someone's trying, but it's less than 2% or less Christian. Now, I hope you got really scared when we heard that Boston is 3% believers. Now, we're talking about faith, trust in Jesus for salvation believers. We're not talking about you just go to church every once in a while. We're talking about blood-bought, saved, trusted Jesus as their Savior. Boston's 3% and unreached is considered 2%. 
Look at green, no longer unreached, meaning that the gospel is there. And I want you to see, do you see China on there is a miracle of God? Let's give an applaud for that. Yeah, that's a house church movement in China. I've been to China two times, I think, maybe three. There's, there's some strong believers there. Now, a lot to do, but that's pretty encouraging. You can see us, we've, we're pretty covered, right? I mean, we're like bright green, right? God has us on a mission, and we're a mission church. You know that we were founded by a guy named Z.N. Morell. He was a missionary from the state of Tennessee coming to the country of Texas. Our church predates Texas being a part of the United States by four years. We were founded in 1841 as a church. We became a part of the United States in 1845. So he came as a missionary journey to the country of Texas to plant this church, not this location right here, but to be able to plant this church. And so we all owe a great gratitude of thanks to this man who was on a foreign mission journey. So we are a foreign mission church. We love being on mission. We love being, in, being able to help people, unreached people groups, unengaged and unreached people groups. Here's the great news about it. A lot of them are in our city and they're in our neighborhoods and they're in our grocery stores and they're in our workplaces from these countries that have never heard the gospel. Now, let me do something. I want to put two things together, okay? We're going to look at one side of the coin that's true and another side of the coin that's true, okay? So if you hear me say heads is true and tails is false, you've heard me wrong. If you've heard me say tails is true and heads is false, you've heard me wrong. If you had heard me say tails is JV and heads is varsity, you've heard me wrong, okay? I'm going to put two things together, two truths that stand together. You ready? Here it is. Vocation as ministry and ministry as vocation. Two things, okay? Let me explain it. Vocation as ministry is this, that you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an engineer, you're a rancher, you're a farmer. You probably don't live in Houston, go to our church, but you're around there. You've heard of those people, right? We need those people. We've got carpenters, we've got teachers, we've got administrators, we've got hospital folks, we've got everything, whatever it is, that your vocation is your ministry. That is absolutely true. God wants to use you in the oil business, in the medical business, in a small business, in sports, whatever it is. God wants to use you as your ministry, your vocation is your platform to do your ministry. And that happens in the vast, vast majority of our church. And at the same time, there's ministry as vocation. So that, that would be me, right? That ministry is my vocation. I do ministry as a vocation. God's called me to vocational ministry. Now, both of those are absolutely true, and I will illustrate that in just a minute with an example for each. But let's talk about it for just a second. Absolutely true. But let me tell you something. I think in the last decades, we've overdone vocation as ministry and underdone ministry as vocation. And why do I say that? From 2008 to 2018, we gotta go pre-COVID because COVID messed everything up. Seminary attendance and enrollment dropped by 50%. And I can't tell you in some places and sometimes even in our very own church how hard it is to find the right person to hire for a ministry job. 
So is vocation ministry? Absolutely. But I want to put before you the call of God on your life for full-time ministry. Because I think we've overdone this one. There's a call of God in my life on full-time ministry. There's no doubt about it in my life. I love it. I hope you're not doubting it at this moment. Like, no, I really don't think that's your deal, dude. (laughs) And I went through that time. It wasn't in a career change, but it was in business school. And I finished my business degree, but I knew God was doing something and I knew other folks were doing other things. And I just kept feeling like God was tugging me to this direction and tugging me to this direction. It was basically three things. If you've got a tug on your heart, here's the three things. I felt like God wanted me to do it. I wanted to do it. Felt like I was supposed to do it. And there was fruit when I did it. So hopefully, I believe, not hopefully, I I believe it. God wants me to share the word of God, to teach the word of God. I love teaching the word of God. And I believe that there's fruit in your life, hopefully in this very moment when I do teach the word of God. Now, if I was to say, God wants me to sing and I wanna sing and I started singing, you would all leave the room when I sing. It would not be God's call. One time my microphone was on when I was back here. I always turn my microphone off when I'm with the worship team and it was on and my family was like, oh, dad's mic is on, dad's mic is on. Please turn it down, please turn it down. It would not be the call of God in my life. But I'm telling you, we need people. And if your heart's beating fast right now, you maybe need to investigate this. We need folks that are called to vocational ministry that you give your life for the preaching the, the word of student ministry, of a 501c3 of ministry, it doesn't have to even be in the church, of God doing something in you, in you, are both true. Absolutely. Let me il- illustrate it with one other point. And I don't mean this, this is the illustration that was given to me. I'm just giving it to you. There's no upsetness in this at all. We went to Zambia and Africa for a part of the summer, one summer. And they gave us these statistics. There's, in Zambia, there's 19 million people that live in Zambia. And in Alabama, there's 5 million people that live in Alabama. So 19 million in Zambia, 5 million in Alabama. In Zambia, there's 1,500 doctors for 19 million people. And in Alabama, There's 7,000 doctors for 5 million people. Is there a doctor that God may just call to Zambia to impact an entire region possibly of the country? And let me quickly say, there's more pastors probably in Texas than there are in Zambia too. So am I throwing rocks at anybody? Absolutely not. Am I telling each one of us, we've got to follow the call of God. And God may just move on your heart to say, I've been in oil my whole life and that's been my platform, but God's calling me to vocational ministry. We need you. We need you. But you follow the Lord in that. Now, let me give you two examples, two sides of the same coin, no JV and varsity, amen and amen, right? One side of the coin, a lady in our church, big time, 
high flyer manager in an oil and gas company here in Houston after COVID. They started bringing in their employees and, and bringing them back to the office. And when they would bring them back in the office, they would meet with their supervisor and they'd just say, how are you doing? How are things going? What's going on? And people would come into her office and would burst into tears and just cry with her. And one of the people said this, after crying, they said, you don't seem like a money person. Now, it's great. Businesses need to make money. You don't seem like a money person. And she said, I'm not a money person. I'm a Jesus person. And right there in some high-flying, big old suite in some 36th floor, wherever in downtown, Jesus is coming from the platform into the thing there to care for people. Do you see it? That's amazing. That is vocation as ministry. And at the same time, in the previous service that we just had here at the Loop campus, we had a couple in our church that we've been supporting for years and years and years. They've been in Ukraine for the last 27 out of 30 years. Do you think God has not had a role for them in the last year like no other year in their life? In this time of the Ukraine, in being in Ukraine, they built a, a 7,000 square foot house, not for them, but they were housing people that were coming through that needed a house and they would share Christ with people. In the last year, and you're a part of this and I'm a part of this as our church, in the last year, they have housed 300 people in their house in the Ukraine. Most of them mothers and children that the fathers were either dead or at war. Wow, do you hear vocation as ministry in that? Do we need both? Absolutely, absolutely. That's why we have to say with Paul here, the question is wherever God calls you, God's mission leads you to where you would go. We are all called by the great commission to go therefore into all the world, baptizing and teaching them into all the nations, baptizing and teaching them all the things that Jesus has commanded us and he's with us to the end of the age. Last week at Cypress campus when I was there, Jason Swear preached an amazing sermon on the great commission. So inspired me and that's where we all have to be. So Paul's whatever is the passion for Jesus. That's his whatever. His wherever is wherever God leads. If it's here, if it's there, wherever, this is my passion and where I'm going. Where is God leading you? What does God want to do in your life? That brings us to the whenever as we start kind of landing the plane here. The whenever. The whenever is God's timing determines when you step. Whenever is God's timing determines when you step you step. Let's see this in the scripture, beginning in verse 27. Here's what it says. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. This is the Gentiles to the Jews. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they're obligated to minister to them in their material needs. Stop right there. Paul's on his way to Jerusalem to minister to the Jewish folks in Jerusalem to tell them about Jesus. These Gentiles in Corinth have received Christ, this Jewish Messiah, and he says, look, if you as a Gentile are going to receive this Jewish Messiah, then you got to help me reach these Jewish folks in Jerusalem. That's what he's saying in verse 27, verse 28. So when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them. Remember that. I will visit you on the way to Spain. And I know when I come to you, I will come with the fullness of the blessing of Christ. God's timing determines when you step. 
So he's saying, hey, I'm going to try to get to Rome as fast as I can on my way to Spain, but I got to go here first. I got to go here first. I got to get this offering. I got to take it to Jerusalem. I got to help those people. I got to get all this stuff taken care of first before I get it. God's timing determines your steps. As believers, our life is not our own. Jesus is our Lord. We give him the leadership to direct our steps. Proverbs 16, 9, a person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So God's got a plan for you. Doesn't matter what your plan is, submit that to God and allow his plan to be the plan for your life. I remember uh, uh, back in the 90s, some of y'all will be able to rock on this song. It was an old worship song. Now it's kind of been uh, moved down to VBS uh, type thing, which is great. But every move I make, I make in you, Jesus. Every breath I take, I take in you. Every step I take, I step with you. Waves of mercy, waves of grace. On it goes. Y'all, some of y'all got that down. It was, but what a great phrase. Every step I take, I step, it's taking you. Every move I make, I, I'm making you because you make me move, Jesus. So Paul's saying, wherever I go, there is a whenever God's gonna determine my steps. And he says in Romans 15, verse 28, he says, so when I finished this, and safely deliver the funds to them. That's a good verse for us today as a church. Why? I wanna let you know, we raised money a few weeks back for the World Mission Offering. Our goal was $1.9 million, every penny going outside the church. We like to say, you don't give to the church, you give through the church, because we're giving and we're doing ministry with it. So $1.9 million, which is a, a big deal, big goal. That was our goal. We're in the midst of a, a two-year kainos already. So we were like, okay, how do we make sure this is good? Let me show you what our goal is. A Paul taking the funds somewhere else. Look at what our goal, look at what came in. And I want to announce to you here. Check that out. Can we just give an applause for that? A little cheer. $1,906,067.17. Now, let me tell you a couple things about that. Number one, I think that number's gonna go up. You know why? Because some of you are like, oh, I forgot. That's okay, jump in. And then number two, I wanna tell you, is I got the number yesterday because we wanted to be right on time. It was 6,066 instead of 67, and I just couldn't bear three sixes being in our number. So Kelly and I had already given, we'd already given our gift and I just pulled out my phone and I went to the, to the app and I just, we gave one more dollar so we could get it to 67. <laughs> so I was like, we're not having 666 in the middle of the world mission offering numbers. So we're giving a dollar. We gave more than a dollar, I can assure you, but we'd already given, we gave a dollar yesterday. All right, so you're like, you only gave a dollar? I mean, come on, brother. I gave more than a dollar, okay? But we gave one yesterday because I didn't want 666 in our number today, all right? Now, tell, let me tell you the third thing, the final thing. Here's what I love about that number. I love the 17 cents. You know why? That means a kid broke the piggy bank. Adults, we give in round numbers. Kids give in pennies. And I love that there's a kid, and there's not just one. There's a bunch of them. They got a heart for missions in this church. Can we just cheer for our kids? Come on now. Just because the opportunity presents it, I want you to know what your church does. Yesterday, we had 1,100 people in almost 30 sites doing ministry. I just told you $1.9 million, all going out, a million dollars to the International Mission Board for foreign missions. 
uh, 800,000 going to the North American Mission Board for church planting in the United States, and then 100,000 in our own state here, Southern Baptist of Texas, staying here for our own state. Um, we, in our local missions, this is just Houston, we had in the last year over 12,000 gospel conversations in what we call faith centers, sharing clothes and food and, uh, food and clothes with people. We had a th over 1,000 people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior through our clothes and, and food pantry ministry. Over 300 of them were unreached and unengaged people groups in our very city and unreached people groups. We impacted 45,000 people we gave away almost 3 million pounds of food. We gave away over a million dollars in benevolence, paying people's electricity bill, paying their gas bill, paying their rent, paying those sort of things. Now, I promise you we document it. We don't let them pull the wool over our eyes. We got the receipts. We know how to do all that. Over a million dollars. We care for missionaries. Many of you in your life Bible study have missionaries that you're caring for. Each year we spend almost $300,000 caring for missionaries on top of all the mission stuff we already do. We own or rent 10 housing units in the city of Houston that we're able to care for missionaries or care for people that are going through cancer treatment in the medical center. 10, and let me tell you this, they are nice because we want them to come and have a comfortable bed and a great place to eat with their kids as they talk about their chemotherapy, as they talk about being revived to go back on mission. That's you, that's me, 10. We've helped, just coming back to the States, over 100 global workers. Not only just missions, we support 85 ministries in 25 countries and give almost $2 million to help support those ministries. Just in the last year, the last, last one I'll give you, disaster relief. We've given a quarter of a million dollars to disaster relief. The Pakistani floods, U.S. hurricanes and tornadoes, Turkey earthquake, and there'll be more, and we'll keep doing that. You are a part of a mission through this church, and you are a part of a mission in your heart for God to use you for more than a paycheck, but to make an eternal difference in somebody's life. What's the opportunity before you? Who's the person in five years you would have just wished you would have asked them how you could pray for them? God's got a plan for you. And lastly, as we wrap this thing up, look at where the power comes from in those last three verses, and we're going to land the plane. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ, that through the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf, pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea. Paul's going to give his life. He's going to be beheaded that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints and that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together. That's what ministry calling is, joy and refreshment, refreshed together with you. Now look, he, he ends Romans basically, we've got another chapter, but he ends it. May the God of peace be with all of you, amen. Romans ends on mission, and it ends with prayer. So here's the last point. Together, we labor together in prayer. Together, we labor in prayer. So this word of striving means to wrestle together. 
We need to be praying. We're either praying, giving, or going when it comes to missions or disobedient. Praying, giving, or going. And so we say, Lord, we want this. We pray for this. We're praying, God, you do your work. So here's what we're gonna do, team. We're gonna end in prayer. It's gonna be a little bit different. You don't need to to worry. We won't take long, but we're gonna be sincere in our prayers. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to repeat something with me, okay? It's basically our message in a nutshell, a sermon in a sentence, if you will. We'll put it up. Here's what we're gonna do. I'll tell you exactly what we're gonna do. We're gonna say all three of these statements together. And that's going to be from our head so we can process it. Then we're going to say it again, and that's going to be from our heart. And then I'm going to say the part before the comma, and you're going to say just the I'll do it, I'll go, I'm willing from your heart. Okay? I'm going to lead you along in it. Don't worry. Would you say this with me? Get it in your mind. Here we go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whenever you want to send me, I'm willing. Now you got it in your head. Say it in your heart. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you want to send me, I'm willing. Now lastly, I'm gonna say the statement and you're gonna say the I'll. Don't say it if you don't mean it. This is between you and God. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whenever you want to send me, we're going to go to a moment of prayer. We're going to keep these things up and we're going to pray through them. Maybe, just maybe, God has got a ministry within your vocation or maybe, just maybe, ministry needs to become your vocation. Each one of those with the purposes of God, as Paul just said, will bring joy and refreshment in your life as God uses you. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.